Amen. You may be seated. How great is our God. Let's pray and we can jump into it. Father, we thank you for your greatness. We thank you for your leading, your guiding. We thank you for your love. Father, we await that day when we uh, be with you in glory. Father, may we rejoice in that day. And may we taste that day a little bit more, even now. And pray that we'd use this sermon to the glory of your name, that we may follow you for joy and for the pleasure of knowing you. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Can I come down a little bit? <laughs> All right. So, uh, happy Palm Sunday, right? All right. So, 2,000 years ago, Jesus came in riding on a donkey to be the triumphant king. And as the people stood and listened and watched, what did they say? They, they cried out, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And what did the people do? The people took palm fronds from the trees. They ran and grabbed them, cut them off the trees, and threw them on the path that Jesus was walking. And people took off their coats and threw those onto the ground ahead of him so that Jesus, his donkey, would never have to touch the dirt. They're honoring the path of Jesus, the king. And so to celebrate that today, I thought we'd look at a passage that proves why we should honor Jesus as our king even today. Why we should cast our coats before him, why we should throw these palm fronds on the ground, why we roll out the red carpet for King Jesus. And we're going to see this by looking at John 10, 1 through 20. And in this passage, Jesus confronts the Pharisees, the false leaders of Israel. And he confronts them saying that he is the real leader. He is the good shepherd. And as the good shepherd, he deserves to be our true king. So in the Old Testament, actually, all of the good leaders, all of the true leaders were shepherds. So Abraham was actually a shepherd. Moses was a shepherd. And of course, we have King David, the shepherd king. They learned to shepherd the people by shepherding, shepherding the flock. And so today we're going to see that Jesus, as the true shepherd, ought to be our king. And he ought to be our king because he calls his sheep. He cares for his sheep, and he lays down his life for his sheep. He calls, he cares, and he lays his life down. But before we jump into the passage, we want to look at our context here. We're looking at chapter 9, going into chapter 10. So in chapter 9, Jesus sees a blind man sitting on the side of the road, and he has compassion for him, and he heals him of his blindness. But then Jesus disappears. And so this blind man, he goes to the Pharisees, the religious leaders, and presents himself to them. But all he gets is an interrogation about who healed you and why did this person heal you on the Sabbath. And ultimately, the Pharisees condemn the man. They cast him out and call him a sinner because he believes that this man saved him, that this man healed him. Someone other than the Pharisees, the, the would-be leaders of Israel. And so Jesus tells this story 
as a direct rebuke of the Pharisees as proof as to why he ought to lead the people. So let's look at John 10, 1 through 20. That's John 10, 1 through 20. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another, man, another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who, comes, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. There is division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Right. So the first thing that we see here is that Jesus ought to be our king because he calls his sheep. Now the Pharisees, they are condemned from the beginning because how do they receive this man who was blind but can now see. They don't care at all. They don't care. They never even seem to have known or cared as him, about him as anything but a blind man. And they didn't have any use for a blind man, so they disregarded him. They had no heart of compassion toward him. And yet here is Jesus. He is different. It says in chapter 9, verse 1, that Jesus, as he passed by, he saw a man that was blind from birth. Now, we can pass by those kind of words where it says that Jesus sees or Jesus notices people. But those are, that's relevant information. And that's actually the core of Jesus' character. He sees people, especially suffering people. 
he sees that they are lost sheep, and he sees this injured sheep, this sheep in darkness, and he reaches out and calls him. The Pharisees, they, they can't even rejoice in the miracle. They are so caught up in their keeping of the law, in their Sabbath, in their rules. And so they, they miss the blind man. They miss the chance to rejoice. And honestly, we can, we can do that same way. You have to admit that we often do that with the homeless. right? We naturally avert our gaze and look away. Or when people are, are injured or disabled, we look away. We don't enter into their suffering or their pain. We look away. It's too uncomfortable. We don't know what to do. The thing is that Jesus does not do that. He treats these suffering people like people. Look at verse 3. 3b, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. So Jesus calls to his sheep, and the sheep respond. The sheep come to him. He sees these lost sheep in their helplessness in their hurt, and he brings them to him. Now, this is theologically what we would call the effectual calling of Jesus. That's the fancy theological lingo. And we've seen this throughout this series, that you don't come to Jesus unless he calls you. He chooses you. He chooses you as his own. We cannot pursue Jesus on our own. We cannot find him on our own. He chooses us. He sees that we are hurt and we are helpless, and he reaches out. It's not because of anything we've done. He just has compassion. And notice, he's he's concerned about them as individuals. He knows their name and calls them by name. Now, we all know that our leaders should know our names. There's just something, something about that. And... Have you ever had a, your would-be leader forget your name? No, I've, I've probably done that to some of you, so yes. But we know how that feels. And we feel inside of us, we feel that kind of vague distance. And we try not to feel hurt about it, but we kind of are. We feel like we aren't known, we aren't cared for. This is someone who's supposed to be leading us, and yet they don't actually care. Jesus knows your name. He knows who you are. He knows you personally. And he sees you. He sees you and he knows you. Now, I couldn't help but think of a dream I had once about this. It was a dream I had when I was wrestling with if I would actually come to accept Christ. Was I willing to take what I knew in my head and and actually believe it with my heart Make Jesus the Lord and Savior. And I had this dream where I stood what I perceived to be the the throne of heaven. There was light all around, and there was God sitting on his throne looking at all of these people who were around. And he was looking and he was smiling at each one of them. And I remember looking God in the face, and he looked right through me and passed me, 
He did not see me. I was invisible to him. And I remember waking up terrified that God might not care. He might not regard me. He might not actually see me. Well, the promise in Jesus Christ is that God sees you. Jesus Christ sees you and he knows you and he cares about you. You are not just a number. You're not just one among many. You're not lost in the crowd. He chose you personally. He called you personally. And he loves you personally. Knowing who you are, knowing what you're like, knowing your personality, your strengths and your weaknesses. And he knows all of the sin that you have committed. And he chose you. And he called you. And that call is not just supposed to initiate kind of a a one and done, oh, you have this relationship with God now. That call continues. He continues to speak and to call to you so that you would continue to lead him, so you'd continue in relationship with him. He leads you by his voice. And so the question is, do we treat God like he's someone who will be personal with us? Do we treat him as someone we expect to talk to us, to interact with us personally? When we go to the scriptures, do we expect to hear the voice of our shepherd? When we pray to him, do we pray as one that we actually expect to respond to us, to teach us or speak? Now, I'm not saying that that needs to be an audible thing, but he does, he does reach out. He is personal. But the contention is often, you know, it doesn't seem like he's speaking. It seems like I'm just reading impersonal words on a page. The Bible is dry and impersonal. And when I pray, it often feels like I'm just sitting in a room all by myself, talking to myself. And you feel like a crazy person. Why, Why am I sitting here? Who am I talking to? And the thing is, we can feel like that. Of course we feel like that. I feel like that. We struggle with that. And I I struggled with, how was I supposed to communicate that Jesus really does speak to us when I often struggle with that? And I thought, how how do I prove that to someone? And I realized that you you really can't. All I can do, I can give personal testimony. I have heard from Jesus, I have heard him speak through his scripture. That this is a living word, that he speaks truth, he encourages, he rebukes through his word. That is the voice of Jesus leading us, his sheep. I have heard him speak in prayer. He brings things to mind that I should pray for. He reminds me of the truths that are true and that I need for that moment. He shapes emotions and thoughts and actions. Jesus does speak to us. He is a personal God. He speaks through sermons. He speaks through the words of other people. And I'm sure that other people can give that same testimony. I've heard that testimony from you, that you've, you've heard him speak, that he speaks personally and tangibly. So we are to, to believe the testimony of fellow believers when we are discouraged, when we feel like he is not speaking. And that's why 
we hear God's voice not just as a personal individual level, but on a group level, as the whole church. Which is why we are to be known by the church. When we come to this shepherd, we also come to a sheepfold, a sheep's pen. That is what this is right here and now. We are the sheep gathered together. And we have each heard from the shepherd. And we're supposed to talk to each other about the shepherd. To be the sheep who communicate what he has spoken to us. And that's where I have to encourage you guys, don't bolt out the door at the end of the service. Don't go running for the back as soon as the song ends. And also, don't just stick to the people who are familiar, the people who you know. We are moving towards a congregation that is known and that knows one another. But that can be a scary thing. It can be a terrifying thing. Because to be known means that you are now vulnerable. You are vulnerable to the gossip or to the slander, to judgment. People may not like you. And we are also vulnerable in that we can have awkward interactions. That's probably our biggest fear oftentimes. Awkward interactions, or we might forget someone's name, or someone might forget our name. These are silly reasons to not be known, but oftentimes they are legitimate ones. We hate that time of greeting because we might be rejected. We might be ignored. So it actually is a step of faith to do, but we take that step of faith because Christ has known us and he has known us without judgment or condemnation. And we are called to know each other in that same manner. This is a place of grace and not judgment. This is a place of dirty sheep, not clean Pharisees. Let us embody that. And once we know each other, and we know each other's names, we're open up to, to the calling of God. We can call each other as Christ has called us. Call each other to greater obedience and greater faithfulness. That is a blessing of being in the flock, to hear the voice of Jesus audibly through the voice of another believer. And so we have been known personally and treated personally We've been loved personally. Let us now give that to one another. So then, we, our first reason to follow Jesus is that he has seen us and he has known us. He has known our helplessness and our sinfulness, and he has called us to himself that he may help us. And that brings us to our second reason for making Jesus our shepherd king, He cares for us. Jesus, in verse 1, he points out to the Pharisees why they aren't real leaders. Why they aren't true leaders. Verse 1, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold, the sheep's pen, by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. And then verse 9, he explains that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Now, for those of you who aren't shepherds by trade, all right, what is a sheepfold? All right, so this is a, kind of a stone ring, a pen, and that's where the sheep would go at night so they wouldn't get eaten by wolves and that sort of stuff. And then there's a gate, and someone would sit at the gate all night and make sure that nothing gets in there. 
And so Jesus is saying, essentially, that the Pharisees are not true leaders because they don't come through the gate. Right? They jump over the fence. Tiara's looking inquisitively. No, yeah, that's confusing. Like, what does that mean? What? All right, this is Jesus being really metaphorical and really symbolic. And it says that this figure of speech they used and they did not understand. So this is allowed to be confusing. All right, so he, he goes on to explain. In verse 7, he says, I am the door. So Jesus is this door to the sheepfold, and the Pharisees aren't coming through the door. They aren't coming through Jesus. Now, what does that mean? It means that they aren't accessing the sheep through Jesus. And they aren't getting to the sheep by the example of Christ, by the person of Christ. Because they don't want to lead as Christ is led. Because how Christ leads is Christ leads by sacrifice, by giving of himself, by giving and not taking. But the Pharisees, that's not their plan for leadership. Their plan is to use the sheep, not to care for them. So they come to the sheep by illegitimate means. What are those illegitimate means? They come to, to have ownership and possess the sheep, to take advantage of the sheep through guilt and through fear and through shame. What their tactic is, is they heap on commandments and condemnation on the people so that the people will fear and come to the Pharisees desperate, will you make us clean? Teach us how to be obedient. They manipulate the people into being dependent upon them. And then how do they use that power? They use that power to suck the people for honor and glory so that they can walk around in the streets and feel important. So that they can pray and people will stand in awe of how how glorious their prayers are, how much they know. They use the people. And Jesus explains that they, they use the people because they do not own the sheep. Verse 12. Calling this the Pharisees' hired hands. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he has a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. All right, so they're not going to put themselves in harm's way. They don't care. They don't own the sheep. They're just there to get their, get their paycheck and leave. Therefore, they use the sheep and put themselves first. Now, my hope is that that critique is going to help us figure out who are our real leaders who are the good leaders and who are the bad ones? All right, so two, two ways we use the test. The first rule is, how do they gain access to the sheep? How do they get your leadership? Sorry, your, your followership. That's not really a word. How do, they, how do they get your allegiance? And the second is, what do they do with it? Do they care for you and do they sacrifice or do they use you? All right. So let's apply that. How do they get their leadership, and how do they care for you? First of all, let's talk about our cultural leaders, those who, who guide us, specifically the marketers and the advertisers. 
All right, how do they get us to follow? Usually they do it by making us feel insecure, that you're not good enough, you're not attractive enough, you're not uh, cool enough. Or they, or they use just your, your felt needs and they manipulate your desires. So they cater to greed or to lust, to your vanity, to your pride. And then they try to rob you blind, <laughs> right? So they've convinced you that you're not right. And then they say, oh, yeah, here, here's the solution. Just give us your money. They're using you. They're, we're following them just so that they can use us for financial gain. All right, so that might be an easy one. Let's talk about, let's talk about po- politics, right? Oh. All right, so oftentimes our political leaders... How do they gain their leadership? They gain it through fear. They paint this kind of apocalyptic vision, and then they say, oh, I, I am the savior. I will save you from this, this fate. Or they, they use greed, and they promise us all of the things that they will give us, even when those things are unrealistic. But we follow because, because they have gained access to us. <laughs> Or we take uh, the most unfortunate examples. We have parents or spouses or even pastors who come in the name of Jesus, and yet they do not give, they take. They take, and they have not cared as Jesus has. And Jesus has the angriest of words for those kinds of people for people who are supposed to come in the likeness of Jesus and yet end up abusing and using those that they are supposed to lead. Jesus is not blind to the fact that people abuse leadership even in the name of Jesus. So we need to be careful who we are following. And in light of that, Jesus says how he wants to lead the people. Verse 7. Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and out and find a pasture. The thief has come only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays his life down the sheep. So Jesus, as this shepherd, promises not to use or abuse the sheep, but to care for them, to give his all for them. And therefore, when the sheep hear the shepherd's voice, they come running, right? They're skipping and they're jumping, they're bleeding. They're running to be with the shepherd because they know that he is going to care for them. He's going to lead them to still waters. He is going to to bring them into safe pasture, to take them to rolling hills of green grass, to life and to beauty. Why would they not run to this shepherd? And that is Jesus' promise, that he will take care of us and he will lead us to places that are for our good, that we will have abundant life, life that is abundant, and not just eternal life, but abundant life presently and in the future. That is his promise. 
So do we come running eagerly to our shepherd, longing to be with him because we know that he's going to care for us? Oftentimes we have to say no. We don't come running because we don't trust where we think he's going to take us. We look at his commands and we don't want to follow those. We look at the places he thinks are, are places of life and we say, no, that's just, those are places of death. And Jesus says that in Psalm 23, he will take us into the valley of the shadow of death. He takes us into those places. And when we get there, we look around and we say, this is not green pastures. And these are not still waters. This isn't where you promised to take me. And so we run. We run and say, no, I'll, I'll, I'll follow myself from now on. And we deny the fact that we are sheep. Because we don't want to be weak. We don't want to be vulnerable. We don't want to be dumb. We don't want to be ignorant. We don't want to have to follow. We see this darkness and we run from the shepherd. We do that by not obeying the shepherd's commands. Oftentimes, it's not the problem. The problem isn't that we don't hear the voice of the shepherd. It's that we don't follow it. We don't do what he says to do. Or we might cut ourselves off from the voice of God. Right? We neglect the scriptures. We neglect his word so we don't have to hear from him. Or we refuse to pray because he's not going to talk to us anyway. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. But honestly, who do you think knows how to find life? God or you? Who knows where the green pastures are? God or you? Who knows where the still waters are? God or you? We're foolish. And we recognize this is a dangerous world. And we are called sheep because we are vulnerable to those dangers. There are wolves and Satan, in evil, in death, and the various manifestations of those evils which threaten us. And while we like to say that we are not sheep, we are still vulnerable. And that's where Jesus comes in and he says, I will care for you. I will feed you. I will lead you to life. Just follow me. He wants to be the one who actually walks with us through the darkness and cares for us in the darkness. So when he tells you what to do, he's not trying to destroy you. He's telling you what to do so that you may have life and so you may have joy. He promises to bring us out of that darkness into green and beautiful pastures. But the question is, why should you believe him? Just because he says that doesn't mean you should believe him. How do we know that he is actually going to do it? And that's where we hit our third point. We trust Jesus as our king because he has laid his life down for his sheep, proving that he is both willing and able to lead us to life. First, he's willing. Verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay my life down for the sheep. 
as ultimate proof of his willingness to sacrifice and to love, to be this sacrificial leader, he dies for the sake of his sheep. Because his sheep deserve to die, because they have gone astray. They have kind of jumped into the den of the wolf. And Jesus has to throw himself before the wolf. He is consumed so that we are not. He is lost so that we might be found. He is abandoned to the darkness so that we might walk in light. The Lord has laid the iniquity of us all on Jesus Christ. The sheep who has been led to the slaughter. And this act proves that Jesus is willing to give his all to us. He's not holding back. He's not neglecting us. He never will. He's given everything he has to us. But then we have the question, okay, maybe he's willing, but is he able? Look at verse 17. For this reason the Father loves me, because I laid my life, laid down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Jesus, as the perfect lamb and the perfect sacrifice, he's able to die for the sheep. But as the Son of God, he is able to raise from the dead and find life on the other side of death. Jesus doesn't pass just through the valley of the shadow of death. He passes through the valley of death itself. And yet he resurrects. He finds life on the other side of this dark path. He walked the darkest path imaginable, the darkest path of death on the cross. He knows the way from darkness into light, from death to life. He knows that path, and he will lead us on that path as well. He can make true on his promises. He knows what he's saying. And he has done that for us. Therefore, we are called to stop trying to lead ourselves. We cannot lead ourselves. We cannot care for ourselves. Instead, we are to respond to Jesus' call. And we are to seek his voice. We are to seek his voice in scripture, in teaching, in the voice of fellow believers, in prayer. And then we are to obey his voice. When he calls us and tells us what to do, we should do it. Now, that's not legalistic. That's just what we should do. Because we trust that he's trying to care for us. He is trying to bring us into life. And we are stubborn, stupid sheep. (laughs) Follow the shepherd. He knows where he is taking you. And he is taking you to green pastures. He is taking you to still waters. He is taking you to abundant life. So we have a good shepherd. Let us be good sheep that follow. This is a Palm Sunday where we... We long to cast everything at the feet of Jesus, that we may honor him as king because he is our good shepherd. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Jesus.
that he is our good shepherd, that he has cared for us as his sheep. Father, help us to honor him as our king. We ask that you would help us to trust that even in the darkest places that you are leading us to life. Father, speak to us. We long to hear your voice. Would you give us the faith to obey once we hear it? We pray in Christ's name.